quick question for you. Hey, let me ask you something. Can I ask you a question? Can you dig it? Yes, guy. Can you dig it? Yes, guy. The man with the words you've been dying to hear. Yes, guy. This is the Yes Guy Show with Jim Taddy on TSN 1050. Can you dig it? Oh, yes, guy. Episode 104, as we like to say, Yes Guy 104. Jim Taddy and Perry Lefko with you. Perry, how are you this week, sir? Doing great. How about yourself? Excellent. Looking forward to our broadcast today. We have Mark Curtin, former Leaf, uh, diagnosed with ALS in 2018. We've had him on before, but we always look forward to chatting with Mark. He's going to be with us very shortly. Stephanie Wilkinson will stop by. She is the owner of the Ontario Blue Jays, which is a baseball academy going back to 1996. So this is an interesting story as well. And then Kevin Shea, author Kevin Shea, good friend, who has written a book on Matthew Barnaby. It's called Unfiltered, and it really is. And we'll get into that. And, of course, yes, guy, no guy at the end of things. Before we get started, looking for an experienced real estate agent, Charles Park, managing broker, REMAX, Realty Services Incorporated Brokerage, has 27 award-winning years of real estate experience. So looking for the highest level of knowledge, experience, and service, put Charles Park in your corner. Visit charlespark.ca or call him or text him at 647-292-8886. Servicing from Hamilton to Kingston, from Toronto to Muskoka, Charles Park will not be at work by anyone. And when you go to the fox40shop.com website, you will find the Fox 40 Titan, Fox 40 Coaching Boards, Fox 40 Electronic Whistle, producing 100 decibels at the push of a button go to fox40shop.com use the code yes guy for 15 percent off your order guest number one formerly mark Curtin is with us kurtz how are you today sir i'm good jimmy how you doing buddy good always great to hear your voice and uh, you know I, i'm going to say this off the top because there's no way to get around this i'm uh, diagnosed with als in 2018 and the most powerful piece of video that I've ever seen in my life was, what, three weeks ago, yeah. uh, you chatting with Boria, and, of course, uh, my condolences uh, on the loss of your friend and teammate, uh, but that was very powerful for us to watch. It had to be stunning for you. Well, what was that like? Well, it, it certainly was. I mean, my wife and I uh, were down at the game, and uh, uh, we watched the first period from the wheelchair section there, and when King and his family got settled into uh, Shanahan Suite, we went up for the second and third period. And I can tell you, upon entering that room, I mean, Lisa and I have talked about it since, but when we entered that room and looked around, I mean, the love in everybody's eyes was over the top. And when King got up from the corner where he was sitting and walked over, um, you know, it was, it was probably one of the most powerful moments I've had in my life, um, you know, because I looked at him, he looked at me, and we went, wow, you know, we got this problem. And we just kind of, I don't know, just linked for a second there, and it was very, very powerful. But it was a, it was a, a, a very, uh, it was a very interesting evening because uh, King got a chance to uh, basically say goodbye to the fans and the fans to him. And you know what, Jimmy, you could not script a better week that, that he was here. I mean, it just went perfect. You know, Mark, some of the stories I've read is that uh, you were teammate of Bory, but you really didn't know him. And when right. he was diagnosed, I think Daryl Sittler reached down to you to reach down to him. So you got to know Boria in a, in a second time around in a much different way. That, that's correct, yeah. I mean, when, like, I think I was at one, two, three... 
maybe three training camps with Toronto when he was there. And one of the years I made it for a while, for a quarter of the year, and then I got traded to Detroit. But he used to help me after practice and show me little tricks and stuff. And uh, so, but, but you know what? When, when you play pro hockey, whether you play one game with a guy or 10 seasons with a guy, it doesn't matter. A teammate's a teammate. And, uh, and so when, when we started the Zoom calls after Daryl called me in early August and told me what was going on with King, I said to Daryl, we got to get Zoom and those guys right away. And we did. Like every second or third day, I schooled them on, on the different meds that were available and where you should go, go to Montreal and see this neurologist and on and on. Um, so he had the benefit of that for sure. But it's interesting because Daryl and I were speaking the other day. And really, when we brought up the Hall of Fame and coming to Toronto, Initially, they were both shaking their head. And by the time the conversation was over, I had them nodding up and down because I said to him, I said, King, you know, when you have an illness like this, you've got a couple of choices. I said, but you've got to take risks because you do not want to regret. And I said, one of the risks would be to come to Toronto. I said, I took a risk going to Vancouver in April and I was nervous about it and anxious. But it was a fantastic trip. So then he started nodding. And, and, you know, the rest is history. Over he came. You know, Mark, when Borea played, he came over from Europe. And there were a lot of the NHL was, was very physical at the time. He took a lot of yeah. physical abuse. You saw his courage then. Did you see a different type of courage now for the reasons you just said right now? Yes, yes. I mean, he had courage just to get on the plane to come from Sweden. I mean, you guys saw the condition he was in. Um, he, the problem, guys, is uh, with the type of ALS that he had, which he called bulbar, it is so aggressive. And it really does pull on your emotional strings, too. And that's why he had no control, <laughs> excuse me, when he, uh, you know, when he would lose it here and there uh, with the emotion. I mean, that just comes hand in hand with bulbar. But uh, uh, absolutely courageous to get on the plane and come to Toronto to say goodbye. And deep down, he knew he knew what he was doing, and he knew it was the right thing to do. Well, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because you know, uh, for those of us that were in the building, all we had was that video that was uh, on on social media where he was uh, in front of the iPad with his wife and everything seemed to be okay. But when he walked out on the ice, you could see there was. You know, so yeah. a lot of changed, and so you know, the way you've described that helps us understand that, which, you know, I think that uh, whatever you're battling, uh, the understanding of whatever the ailment is, is that it's different for everybody, and there are different kinds of, you know, whatever the ailment is, there, there are, you know, there's like layers of it, and uh, that was nice that you said that, helps us understand. Now, you're, you're you know, you fight back uh, in, in terms of what you're doing here, so take us through some of the stuff that you're doing, that you're that you're uh, sort of promoting to, to, to help this. Well, I'm, I'm a member of ALS Action Group, which is a patient-led group that was uh, originated about two years ago when a bunch of pals got together and decided that maybe one way to get ahead or move ahead with this illness is to get a patient-led group. And we've come a long way in two years. We have created relationships with Health Canada 
with the ALS caucus in, in Ottawa, um, drug companies, CADA, a whole bunch of different entities. And we're really starting to turn some heads as to what needs to change in, in, uh, in the government and in getting faster pathways, getting drugs in arms quicker, uh, more research funding, et cetera. And so I'm very, very involved in the ALS advocacy. And I'm also um, getting involved with the NHL on a team-by-team basis and kind of explaining where we're at and trying to bring them on board, which I have had some early success, and I expect to uh, um, have more success with that. But uh, at the end of the day, I think when you look at it, it's been 80 years since Lou Gehrig died. The bucket challenge a few years ago kind of peaked and they raised a lot of money. But then the problem is the leaders pass away and then there's a restart. And what we're trying to do now is position things so there is no more restarts. And we look at a passing like uh, of a legend like King and we want to ride that wave for as long and hard as we can to get to another level. And you know what, guys? We may look back at this one day if, if, uh, if the ALS uh, uh, level gets higher. We may look back at it and say that King's passing might be a turning point in this whole thing. And uh, his legacy will last forever with that. You know, Mark, I was just going to ask you about that because many people... Well, it's known as Lou Gehrig's disease. You may have no idea who Lou, Gehr- Lou Gehrig yeah. is or was. And when you think about Boreas Salming, I'm wondering if what happened to him just brings a kind of a, an immediacy oh, to the God. whole thing or an understanding, but someone, you know, who maybe yeah. is of this generation um, and what he did and how this can catapult more awareness and more education. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Because, um, you know, when everything happens for a reason in life, and and, uh, you know, I mean, I was, I was doing pretty good with ALS advocacy working and, and Jim knows this from through the sports media and stuff. And, and it was really starting to take off over the last couple of years involving former players and what have you. But when this happened, it just took it to a whole different level. And, uh, you know, with MLSE, uh, Brendan Shanahan, about a week and a half ago, telling me that they were going to have this big fundraiser where they uh, auctioned off the retro sweaters last Wednesday uh, to Saturday. And then they, the patches, the Borea Salming patches, uh, I think they sold 10,000 of them, and then some other sweaters. The I haven't seen the totals yet, but big, big numbers we're talking about. And that money is going to ALS Action Canada our group, and uh, it's, it's going to be a big number because people did rally around this. I was going to say, to answer your question about people knowing what ALS is, when I got it, I didn't know what it was either, guys. You know, and, and uh, I can tell you that you talk to people now, especially people that watch sports and stuff, and, and you ask them, you know, what you know about ALS, all of a sudden they know. They know what it is now. So absolutely, in the last 
month or so, or, or even longer than that, last year with Lou Gehrig Day and all that, there is a lot of people that I get calls from that say, can you talk to this guy? His friend of a friend, his dad has ALS. It gets all over the place now. People do know what it is. So, Mark, let's end on this. I mean, we're talking about uh, Canadian fundraising, and, and I think that's fantastic. Uh, but, you know, Boria was uh, not only uh, you know, well-known and, and uh, respected here, but in Sweden, yeah. huge. So in, in terms of, uh, you know, what kind of research and, and what kind of fundraising goes on uh, that, that this would sort of uh, initiate in Sweden, what, what's your knowledge of that? Well, they, uh, the Salming family formed a foundation in Sweden to raise awareness and uh, and, and fundraising for uh, for research, and I believe that the Leaf alumni, and I know that uh, Daryl and Lanny and Tiger, I think, are going. They're all going to Sweden in February for a big fundraising game um, to to help promote that foundation. Uh, so there, there's monies being raised all over the place now, and I think the monies that are going to be raised in the next year or so are going to be more than ever has been raised before. So I think that as the fundraising comes in and the group gets, the ALS community gets more powerful, I think that it will reach a level where, um, you know, we'll start to, to, to see better drugs come out, more trials come into Canada um, and, and ultimately find a cure one day. Cure is a cure is not decades away. I think it's years away now. If somebody listening to this wants to support the fight for ALS, what do they do? Well, they can go to the ALS Action uh, website, and there's a donate button there, and, and uh, they will uh, receive a tax receipt. Uh, you know, and uh, uh, and and it would certainly help the cause. Mark, or Kurtz, as we like to call you, thanks very much. Yeah. Really appreciate it. No worries, Jimmy. Anytime, guys. Good to hear from you. Thank you. Looking for an experienced real estate agent, Charles Park, managing broker, Remax Realty Services Incorporated Brokerage, has 27 award-winning years of real estate experience. So looking for the highest level of knowledge, experience, and service, put Charles Park in your corner. Visit charlespark.ca or call him or text him at 647-292-8886. Servicing from Hamilton to Kingston, from Toronto to Muskoka, Charles Park will not be outworked by anyone. When you go to fox40shop.com, you will find hockey products like the Fox 40 Call and Fox 40 Super 4 CMG. Do not forget to pick up a copy of The 40 Ways of the Fox. Ron Foxcroft's inspirational book for new entrepreneurs and business veterans alike, fox40shop.com. Use the code YESGUY for 15% off your order. This is Yes Guy, the radio show on TSN 1050. Welcome back to Yes Guy, the radio show. Jim Taddy and Perry Lefko with you. This segment is sponsored by Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Financial advisor Herb Braley, ready to help you with your financial needs. If you want a comfortable and real conversation about your options, contact Herb at 1-877-734-3055 or visit his website, braleyadvisors.com. With 31 years of experience, Herb will help you do what you want to do with your money, get it back to you when you need it the most, financial clarity and comfort with Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Check out Fox 40's new premium whistle, the Fox 40 Titan, in a sleek titanium body. The Titan emulates the authentic sound of the Fox 40 Classic. Available now in titanium gold or matte black. Go to fox40shop.com. Let's bring in Stephanie Wilkinson now. She's the owner of the Ontario Blue Jays, a baseball academy that goes back to 1996. Stephanie, welcome. How are you? 
I'm good. How are you? Very good, thanks. So take us through the academy. And obviously you've got uh, guys that are on the Blue Jays now, Romano and Pop. And this has to be, uh, I don't know how to describe what this would be to the academy, but it has to be, you know, top drawer for sure. Yeah, it's, it's exciting to see, you know, local, uh, local kids actually playing on the field at home. Um, it was great to see them uh, in August. Um, sort of that was a crazy night. We had Zach Pop uh, pitching against, uh, the, the Cleveland Guardians and Josh Naylor was playing that game, uh, another local boy and Cal Quantrill from the East End, um, he actually won that game. So, you know, it was really quite a night for, for baseball in Canada, um, but certainly for baseball in Toronto. You know, Stephanie, I saw you the other day and, and I just heard about the Academy for the first time. Are many people aware of this Academy? Uh, within the baseball organization, within Southern Ontario, sort of the elite level, um, a lot of people do know uh, about the CPBL. Uh, it's sort of a, uh, an elite side to uh, OBA baseball. So the, your Mississauga majors or your local baseball teams that you probably grew up playing. Sort of the elite level comes in around 14 and up. And that's the, the players who are more committed to um, playing post-secondary, whether it's in the States or, you know, those lucky ones that actually get drafted. Well, you mentioned when we talked the other day that your son went through the program. Maybe you could tell me about his experience and use the word commit in terms of the commitment of not only the player, but the parents. Yeah. The, uh, so my son, um, he played through local community baseball. He played for the Mississauga North Tigers. And sort of when he aged he sort of got to the point that he wanted to make baseball uh, a greater commitment. And so he joined, uh, he started playing with the Blue Jays exclusively. And from that, he went on to uh, a commitment with uh, St. Petersburg College in Florida. And he played, um, he played baseball in his post-secondary um, life as well. So let me ask you, Having gone through the program and having seen that your son, you know, was able to get an education out of it, is this part of what it's all about in terms of some of these players may not make it to the major leagues, but, you know, they can make it, they, if they're lucky enough, they can get themselves an education, which is probably more important than anything else. Exactly. I mean, the, the, the number of kids, especially with the draft um, and how it's really shrunk down in the last couple of years, there's fewer and fewer people being drafted out of high school and drafted in general, like the whole Major League Baseball has, has shrunk um, in their, their, uh, their younger team, their, their uh, minor league teams. So really, the, when you leave high school and you want to play in the States, you really want to play at a college, and you want to play in a place that matches your academic, um, what you want to achieve academically, but also what you want to achieve athletically and not everybody is a division one player uh, player um, but some kids are very academic and maybe a d3 is the place for them or maybe somebody's not so academic that they're a really great player um, maybe a two-year juco is the place for them there's really not a bad place to play um, but getting your academics in you're only ever one injury away from never playing again so uh um, education is very important. Yeah, I, I like what you said there. I mean, you you know, it sort of funnels people to the Canadian national team. 
You've got college placements. Uh, you know, I'm reading the literature here. More than 120 major league draft picks and, and signings. I mean, this is uh, it. Sort of continues the process, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. That's that's what it is. And you know, that's sort of our uh, our our mandate really is to try and get everybody placed in the states. Um, that's not that's not to say that there's anything wrong with Canadian baseball. Um, they just don't play as much up here. Uh, UBC is a little different. They do play um, teams in the States, but um, in terms of Southern Ontario, um, the the university baseball isn't bad. It's just you don't play as many games. So it's a different type of season. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. In terms of like the winter months, how does the academy work in terms of uh... – you know, giving these aspiring baseball players the opportunity to continue with their skills? So we play, uh, we'll play a fall ball in September and half of October. We're limited to uh, the town or the city's uh, schedule of how, how long they'll allow permits on the fields. So then we come inside, we give everybody sort of the, the downtime in late October uh, and then in November and December, it's really more about uh, giving the body a break um, from the busy summer that it's had, but also working on strengthening um, and, and repairing. Uh, that's where the, the weight room kicks in. And then there's still light, uh, light hitting, light throwing, but it's all about uh, rest. And then in January, we start up with our winter program. And then we go to Florida for uh, our spring training during March break, and we get outside. And for many of these kids, the first time they've been outside since, you know, early October. So it's a great feeling. And the idea is not to win. It's just to get outside, get those muscles stretched and, you know, then come back home and then lead into our, our spring season, which is sort of league play throughout Southern Ontario. And then uh, we travel. We travel a lot into the states playing some of the big tournaments in uh, late June and July. So anybody listening to this who has kids uh, 15 to 18, year old, 18 years old would be interested. So how, do they, how does the academy approach them or how do they approach the academy? What's the process? Well, it's a little bit of both. We're always looking out for people, but um, our reputation is sort of there and a lot of people will sort of ask others that they know, or they'll actually come looking at our, our website um, all by themselves, and they'll sign up for one of our open tryouts that we usually start in the spring. And uh, they can try out, and they can see if we've got a, a spot for them and, you know, see if it fits on both sides. So when one of these players you know, makes it to the major leagues, and in fact you get to watch them maybe in their first game or whatever, there must just be a, an appreciation not only for the player, but for the player's parents and the academy as a whole, that you know, one of these players made it to the major leagues, which is a difficult process in any way. Exactly. I can't tell you. I was at um, Josh Naylor's uh, debut game in 2019, and I can't tell you how big my heart was. I was so excited for him, for his family. Um, my son had grown up playing with both uh, Josh and more, more so Bo, um, but he had, it, it was such, such a feeling and to see that, and then just to continue on and follow, follow his, uh, his career is, is just exciting. Is there much connection with the Blue Jays, you know, the Toronto Blue Jays, given that you carry, you know, their name? 
No, the, the 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 similarity ends with the name. I mean, we have connections with them, but those are really more personal. There's nothing nothing connected business wise. Well, when I talked to you the other day, I talked to you about not just baseball but sports in general. Um, I'm wondering. Is baseball, when you like to watch sports, is baseball the one or is it you just like watching sports? Uh, I would say baseball would be my number one sport. It's the sport that I've grown up around uh, in terms of watching. It's the thing that I, I understand the most, but I do enjoy, you know, I'll, I'll sit and watch football with, with everybody, with anybody and, you know, and hockey. You know, you can't live in Toronto and not like hockey. <laughs> <laughs> Let's end on this. I mean, you're you're the owner of, of the Ontario Blue Jays. How did this happen for you? Uh, well, I'm just the like. There have been several owners over the last 25, 27 years, and I'm just the um, the the latest in the line. Um, the success of the program comes from the history that it has, and you know, I'm just hoping with the staff that we have here that we we continue it uh, okay but you know you had to be doing something else before so what brought you to this uh it was just an opportunity <laughs> that sort of opened that opened up and it was uh you know as i said you know my son had come through the program so i was very aware of it you know having been involved as a parent since uh, i guess it was about 2008 um so an opportunity sort of came up and 2016 and kind of we worked you know over the years I've tried to figure out where where I fit in and there's just been you know a history and I'm just the current part. Stephanie thanks very much for your time and all the best with the Ontario Blue Jays. Thank you very much. This segment is sponsored by Brantley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Financial advisor Herb Brantley, ready to help you with your financial needs. If you want a comfortable and real conversation about your options, contact Herb at 1-877-734-3055 or visit his website, BrantleyAdvisors.com. With 31 years of experience, Herb will help you do what you want to do with your money, get it back to you when you need it the most. Financial clarity and comfort with Brantley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Well, let's talk about advanced planning, your life, your say, your tribute, and your way. Turner and Porter, funeral directors, let's start a conversation. Visit turnerporter.ca. This is Yes Guy, the radio show on TSN 1050. Welcome back to Yes Guy, the radio show. Jim Taddy and Perry Lefko with you. Homeowners are first-time buyers. If you're considering purchasing, refinancing, or if your mortgage is coming up for renewal, talk to Dean Romani, TMG SafeBridge Mortgage Solutions. Dean will provide you with custom-tailored mortgage solutions for all your needs. You can contact Dean on Twitter at MTGDean or go to SafeBridgeFinancial.com or give him a call at 416-885-1761. Master your game strategy with Fox 40 coaching boards available for basketball, hockey, football, and more. Use the code YESGUY at checkout for 15% off your order. Go to Fox40Shop.com. Let's bring in now all-round good guy, works at the Hockey Hall of Fame and is a writer and has a book out called Matthew Barnaby Unfiltered, Kevin Shea. Kevin, how are you today, sir? I'm doing well. How are you, gentlemen? We're doing well. Perry? I'm doing excellent. Well, let's talk about unfiltered Matthew Barnaby. Could there be any other way? <laughs> oh, boy. No, there couldn't. He's, he's quite a boy. Let me step back for a second. You know, so I'm a big Toronto Maple Leafs fan, and, and uh, watching Matthew Barnaby play was uh, not necessarily the – it was entertaining, but it's certainly – He's such an agitator and, and such a pain in the behind. So I never thought that particularly highly of him at all. 
but I uh, used to run a, a charity called Road Hockey to Conquer Cancer. We raised a ton of money for the Princess Margaret Cancer Foundation. And while we were there, you know, you, you try and get celebrities to come because it helps increase your fundraising. And so I had invited Matthew to come and, and join us. And again, never thought too much about it, but he got drafted fairly high. So my, my curiosity was piqued. But one of the things that I saw was that when he was there, he was the most amazing ambassador for hockey and for cancer research because he went around to every single pad and shook all of the players' hands, thanked them for coming out and supporting cancer research. The teams that drafted him, he kept in touch with, so whenever he would come to Toronto, he would take them out for, for drinks and dinner. So I thought, okay, I viewed Matthew in a whole different light. So when he approached me about writing his autobiography, I previously had told my wife, I will never do another one. I will <laughs> never do another one. And then he called, and a few minutes later, I put my tail between my legs and Honey, guess what? I'm doing another one. And that's where uh, Unfiltered has come forward. So, Kevin, you and I have known each other a long time. We've both written books. You just talked about whether you were going to do another one. Maybe you could tell people who are thinking about writing a book what they're in for. Oh, yeah. It is not an easy process by any means. It, it can be fun. It depends who the subject is. Hopefully you're well engaged with, with who they are and and. Uh, Quite, I mean, you have to do a great deal of research just to make sure that you're on top of things. But in my situation, and I'm sure that most are, are the same, those who write uh, autobiographies for, uh, for players or, or personalities in general, you know, you, you do so much research, you get to know them, you become quite friendly as you move forward, but you have to know every nuance so that you can lead the discussion, whether it be in in person, whether it be over the phone, on Zoom, whatever way it works for, for you. In my, my case, and, and I would think that probably with yours as well, Perry, it was a combination of, of all of those things. And then having to put it into some logical order so that the reader can understand it and enjoy it, et cetera, et cetera. But it's, it's a long, onerous ordeal. You do it because you love it, not because you want to get rich, that's for sure. But it's, it's something that I've enjoyed a great deal through the years. You know, that, that's an interesting premise, what you said there, because knowing uh, all these things about somebody that you're writing about is one thing, but having them in context is another. So that would require major research, because I know that from my own experience, if somebody's telling me about me, I find that really annoying. So if, if you said something out of turn, that might set it off. Do you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And you have to be a good listener, too. You have to follow the the narrative that's being presented on the phone or in person or whatever it happens to be. So I, I'm going to step back a few years to a, uh, an autobiography I wrote with Derek Sanderson. Well, that was, that was a wonderful bestseller, but boy, oh boy, was it, was it a challenge, but it was a lot of fun too. But I would say, okay, so Derek, in our conversation today, we're going to talk about, and I'm just making this up now, we'll talk about your time with the Philadelphia Blazers and the WHA. He would lead off with some story about walking through a pane of glass while he was with uh, Mike Walton in Boston and, and just go off on that tangent. And so I, I didn't want to rein him in because the stories were so good, but it sure meant a lot of, of uh, putting it in, in some kind of uh, order at some point down the road. But you just have to follow the conversation and, and, and then ask the questions that are uh, pertaining to what they're talking about hey, if we have to come back another day to talk about the subject that, I've, that I'm prepared for, that's fine as well. So it's just, it's, it's quite a process. It's, it's, it's long, but it's really quite enjoyable for the most part. 
you know, Kevin, when you talk about the process, sometimes I equate it to like training for a marathon and you're wondering why you're doing it. And yet at the end, when you see the book, that physical book, it just sort of, it's kind of the reward. And I'm wondering if you've, if you have experienced that uh, every time you've written a book, because it's always something different. Oh, without question. So, you know, I, I, and maybe it's just my own personality, but I start to question myself after I've submitted the manuscript, which has been approved by the person that I'm writing with or for, I, I start to doubt, you know, what have I done here? Did I, did I present it properly? Did I present it in the best light for this person to sell? They've got to have their name on it for the rest of their lives. People will forget about me as the, as the co-author or the, the, uh, the ghostwriter or whatever it happens to be. So I start to second-guess myself whether I've done the job properly. And, and then the, the manuscript comes back and they have suggestions for changing this or expanding on that or spelling this differently or whatever it happens to be. And then you start thinking, oh, my God, there's too much red ink on here. Oh, my God, I've really failed the, the subject here. But it's, you find out as you go that it's, it's really that way for everyone, and everybody's trying to do their job the very, very best they can. And as long as you and your, your partner, your, your subject, are happy with what's being presented, that's really what counts. But there's no feeling in the world like going into a bookstore or, or opening the box and seeing the, the book for the very first time, or walking to a bookstore, as I was starting to say, and seeing your book on the shelf and realizing that all of those hours you put into research and, and speaking and interviewing and, and then writing and proofreading has now paid off very well, and you've got a, a wonderful book there that now other people can enjoy. So let's return to Matthew Barnaby. I mean, as a player, you described him. He was abrasive. If he wasn't on your team, you didn't like him. Uh, as a guy who showed up at a charity event, he went out of his way to make sure everybody was acknowledged. And yet, uh, you know, in his broadcasting and, and who the guy is, he'll just say it, whether it costs him or not. I mean, that's an interesting blend, isn't it? It really is. But, but let's go back way, way further. So, so first of all, Matthew never knew who his father was. And that kind of leads us into where we're going. Never knew. Never knew, didn't even find out his name until he was well into his 30s or 40s. So he grew up in a single family. Uh, he grew up in a, in a single parent family is what I should say, pardon me. And, and he was quite a good athlete, but behind the eight ball because they didn't have a great deal of, of money. They were moving around quite a bit. And so, you know, he, it didn't look like he was going to have much of a a potential career as much as he may have dreamed of one day playing with the Montreal Canadiens, his favorite team. But then it went on and on, and, and it was a lesson that came from his brother, who was 14 years older, so a bit of a surrogate father. His, his brother said to him, with no real specific intent, but he said, Matthew, you have to stand out in one way or another so that people will not forget you. Well, he'd already been, you know, he was small, he was a good goal scorer, but when he got drafted to the, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, he was the very final selection. I think it was draft or, or round number 22, I think. So you can kind of imagine that the, the, the process is, is not leading towards a National Hockey League career. So what did he do? Well, he was the smallest guy out there. He was the only English speaker on a, on a franchise that was out of Quebec City that was a Francophone uh, franchise. And so he went out there and said, who's the toughest guy? And somebody pointed out somebody. He went out there and slashed him behind the legs and dropped the gloves and got the 
heck beat out of them. Excuse the language. And so when they when they got out of the penalty box, Barnaby went at him again. And when they got out of the penalty box again, he went at him again. And so what ended up happening is is the coach came to him and said, "Look, it, nobody wants it as much as you do, Matthew, and I can't cut you. You're not going to play very much for a while, but I can't cut you because you will give everything you have to the team and to your teammates." And that was kind of the template that led to the career that he enjoyed in the National Hockey League. And one thing I find interesting about that is, like, you see Matthew Barnaby as a player, and you think because of the way he plays the game, that's the way he is, and yet a lot of these players are totally different. Did you come to understand Matthew Barnaby in a way that you really didn't know beforehand? Yeah, I really did. I, you know, I knew him fairly well just through that road, road Hockey to Conquer Cancer event, but I didn't know him all that well. But I'd done a great deal of research, and I expected him to be abrasive and, and short, and wasn't really sure. He was delightful. He was really, really funny. Uh, he was caring, uh, really, really cares about his mom, really, really cared about his family. So it was really nice to see. I'm just going to play on that just for a moment. When he was playing in the National Hockey League, when he played with the Buffalo Sabres, which was the first part of his career, he had guys like Brad May, Rob Ray, different guys like that who were on the team. So he could pick and choose where he had to fight. He could be abrasive, but there was always somebody there to back him up. Well, when he went to different teams, for example, Tampa, he all of a sudden was the sole enforcer on the team. And so he was getting into fights every single game. So it was a whole different thing. And so when he played on teams that had other guys that were fairly tough as well, he was okay. He could, he could play a third-line role if need be. He could score some goals. He could still play the game. When he was playing for these other teams, Dallas, Tampa, et cetera, et cetera, he was the guy. He was the fourth-line guy. He was playing five minutes a game, and inevitably he was going to be fighting. And so it, there were two different Matthews who played, and I saw that in our interviews as well. There was... There was Matthew who was, was cocksure and, and confident when he was talking about certain teams and others where he felt like, I, I didn't hit my mark there. I, I, I really had a difficult time. I, I, I couldn't be the player that I wanted to be. So I saw a couple different Matthew Barnabys as we did, went through the process. So uh, you know, update us on, on how he is now, because clearly, uh, you know, his uh, broadcasting career got was ended because of uh, circumstances. Is he happy with yeah. where he's, he's at? He's very happy now. You know, he, he would love to have been a coach. He was an assistant coach with the Kitchener Rangers and, and really enjoyed that, but that didn't pan out. And, and you know, as a broadcaster, he really, really enjoyed that too. But again, he he buried himself in that so that he realizes that there's no one to blame but him but he's now into this bet 99 really into the the whole betting situation now and he's really quite enjoying that it's something that he's done since he was a kid betting on football games or or not on hockey games but on on things that he would see on tv and and then uh, playing poker with the boys on the back of the plane and things like that so he's found his niche a little bit but i think he's really accepted himself He's really accepted that, you know, I had a 14-season career. Nobody would have expected that, um, especially me being Matthew. I have a, a wonderful uh, partner. I've got two great kids. I've got a job that, that, that I'm 
happy with, and I'm, I'm just very, very happy with my life. So he's, he's gone through some tough times, but he really is in a good place right now. Matthew Barnaby, Unfiltered. Where can they pick it up, Kevin? Available at Better Bookstores Anywhere and, and uh, on Matthew Barnaby's uh, Facebook site as well if you want something directly. Kevin, thanks very much. Appreciate it. All the best. Really, I really enjoy it, and all the best of the holidays to both of you as well. Thanks, guys. Homeowners are first-time buyers. If you're considering purchasing, refinancing, if your mortgage is coming up for renewal, talk to Dean Romani, TMG SafeBridge Mortgage Solutions. Dean will provide you with custom-tailored mortgage solutions for all your needs. You can contact Dean on Twitter at MTGDean. Go to SafeBridgeFinancial.com or give him a call at 416-885-1761. Let's talk about advanced planning, your life, your say, your tribute, and your way. Turner and Porter Funeral Directors. Let's start a conversation. Visit turnerporter.ca. This is Yes Guy, the radio show on TSN 1050. Yes Guy, no guy. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, drivers and passengers, time now for the officially sanctioned edition of Yes Guy, No Guy, and Yes Guy, the radio show with a mystery guest. Well, not much of a mystery, but a surprise guest, a late fill-in, Frankie C. Frank Corrado's with us. Frankie C., how are you, sir? I'm good, guy. I'm happy the audience was at the edge of their seat waiting for my arrival today. Yeah, that, and, you know, the, the anticipation was, was really thick. Uh, and let's start this off this way. Yes, guy, no guy, 40-plus million dollars for a baseball player guy. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm going to say yes, guy, Jimmy, because if you have the money and you're generating the revenue, why not go out and spend it? Uh, ultimately, Will a player live up to that contract? It's not very likely, especially when you think the the best years of that player are behind them. But um, if you have that money to go out and get that kind of player, you have to try and spend it. It's too competitive nowadays. Okay, so I'm going to do a supplemental yes guy, no guy, just based on your answer there. Supplemental yes guy, no guy. You'd rather spend $40 million on one player than take a chance and have to spend $10 million on four players to equal the one. I say yes, guy, again, Jimmy. You need those superstars. You need that star power, and we've seen it year after year in the, in the MLB. The teams that win are, you know, they're well-rounded players, but they have guys who are game-breakers. And, um, you know, even a team that, that, that goes all the way this year in, in, in the Phillies and in, in Bryce Harper, who, you know, makes a ton of money, hasn't necessarily lived up to that contract to its fullest, but you see what you get out of him in, in, in a big moment in the playoffs multiple times. Okay, yes, guy, no, guy. You have heavy leanage on the Buffalo Bills to get by the Jets on Sunday. <laughs> Jimmy, can you do me a favor? Can you just describe the word leanage to me? Can you define that heavy, so I don't have to look heavy it up? Leanage, I mean, it, it's, it's an all, heavy leanage is an all-in on the Bills. <laughs> I, despite, despite Vaughn Miller being done for the year with an ACL injury, Jimmy, I am 100% yes guy. I am behind the Buffalo Bills. And I heard Luke Wilson talking about it earlier this week. The fact that it just makes the margin for error for Buffalo on the offensive side of the football a little less. That's all it does. Like Josh Allen, there's there's a lot of um, onus that goes on his shoulders, and he loves to wheel and deal, and he loves to sling the pill. But now it needs to be a little more focused. It needs to be a little more concentrated. Um, and this is still a team that can get to the Super Bowl. And getting through the, 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 the New York Jets this week should not be a problem for the Buffalo Bills. Okay, one final yes guy, no guy, quick answer. The fact that Baker Mayfield could show up with the Rams and lead them to victory after two days' work is stunning. Yes, guy, absolutely <laughs> stunning. 
like the equivalent of that in hockey would be you haven't skated in four weeks and you showed up with an old pair of uh, Jofa shin pads and a Cooper helmet and said, okay, I'm ready to play in the NHL. Like for these guys to go in there and, and not really know uh, the playbook and, and have a, a game like that was incredible. So 100%, yes, guy. And we have to end on this. Yes, guy! <laughs>